Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the Customer Advisory Lead S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you're listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. Everybody remembers the moment when Apple released the iPhone and Steve Jobs disrupted not only the market for mobile phones but the entire field of consumer electronics by focusing on user experience. Since then this topic is omnipresent in our private lives but what about enterprise applications? To answer this question, I invited Alexander Ling, the head of user experience of SAP, to this podcast to talk with him about the role of user experience in enterprise applications, SAP's new UX strategy, how important UX is for the success of our solutions, and how the adoption of a modern user experience is one of the pillars and areas of potential to become an intelligent enterprise and digital champion. Awesome topic again, here at the SAP Experts Podcast. Hello, Alex. Hi, Alex. Let me start with a question, um, because probably this will date me a bit, but I remember a time very vividly when everybody was using the word UI or GUI, graphic user interface. Nobody talks like that anymore. Everybody's talking about user experience. So is this just a new word for the same things we know from the past, or is this more a testament of a genuine rethinking? Um, now you can debate, is it, is it the same or not the same? Uh, but ultimately, it's, uh, it's about uh, to putting the user into the center and not the technology. And uh, we're talking about uh, user centricity and also this idea of an experience which we want to provide via the user interface to the user. And of course, the user interface is a crucial point but it's changing because uh, it's becoming a moving target and it was always a moving target. When you are a business user of business applications, I think the, the interesting thing was that this has, of course, I think become a little bit later into the center of attention than it was like for private equipment, for private applications. Um, was there something of a compelling event for you where... Um, this started to swap over this kind of, let's say, Apple-like, what, what, how we always call it, uh, at least yeah. amateurs like me, uh, into the user experience? Was there something like a compelling event or was this just like a, let's say, natural consequence mm -hmm. which had to happen? Yeah. Um, for, first, I want to start with a little uh, correction because I believe in professional life, uh, the, the UI, the user experience and uh, the interaction between a human and the computer was first uh, dominating because, uh, you know, the big machines uh, and uh, the bug, you know, a bug is really a, a real animal which was in the computer uh, for, for um, a reason and it was always business or counting people. I think uh, the biggest machine at this point in time was about Uh, counting people of, uh, um, of, of uh, a planet or a country. And I think it was uh, really dominating um, uh, for centuries um, 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 the computer business because we did this either in science or in uh, business. COBOL at this time and Fortran were the major languages uh, to develop those applications. 
But ultimately, um, there was a, a breakthrough situation, and you now can debate: was it the, the Apple Mac uh, or uh, Apple One, Two, or the PC? But ultimately, the, the revolution started when. Uh, the big companies decided um, to move um, the computer into, let's say, the living rooms of, of any, any person on this planet. And of course, in the past, uh, the kids were playing games with Atari. This was their niche. Uh, and this has also its own um, path um, through the last decades. And there was always this, this uh, game changer. And uh, I believe um, it's the same for for um, uh, the computer and for the user interface um, in regards of how we see today. And of course, the, the, the mobile world was out of the sudden dominating anything because uh, there was a necessity to stay connected. And with that, of course, I want to uh, call you. I want to text you. Then we focused on keyboard and texting and all these things. But then uh, some companies come, uh, came very early to the conclusion uh, to put more, uh, let's say, computing power into those machines, but they will never ever reach a perfection and uh, uh, a user experience which was uh, gaining to a mass adoption. And for me, it's clear with this bringing the operating systems and the hardware to a level that, um, let's say, everybody can use this on the planet uh, is a game changer because this is now highly dictating anything we do, regardless if it's in the business domain, if it's in the, let's say, uh, private domain, and um, if you want to add another domain, which is uh, the pure gaming, you know? And um, ultimately, if you are in the business environment, you are probably using all three different pillars of uh, of that and this means you are comparing the things and you are creating your own reality which is always uh, having a benchmark best on the best of class you have seen on on those different areas it's interesting what you say because i had once a discussion with a cio who who said um, he has the feeling that We we have like a, a Mr. Jekyll, uh, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde in us, like a, a private user and a professional user. And the private user is more keen on trying out new things, like is more innovative, is 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 faster to adopt new technologies, like new user interfaces. While the more professional, and probably he was talking about his woes with his users, while the the professional in us is sometimes a little bit more hesitant in adopting these kinds like for example new yeah. interface technology do you agree with that yeah absolutely because um uh, you know in in private life um if you go to the extreme gaming it's mm -hmm. to uh distract your your brain from the real world and give um give your brain some pleasure of gaming you know gamification high scores and so on. Um, so this means your entire uh, mental capacity is focusing on exactly this. If you go now to the other extreme, which is business software, your main focus is uh, you want to solve a business problem in time based on KPIs, uh, based on uh, criticality and other aspects which are driving the company. Uh, and, and therefore uh, the mental capacity uh, should be low using the tool But the brain need to, uh, let's say, think about the problem solving and doing this. 
But ultimately, um, um, we are also in a, in a decade where uh, modern aspects uh, can support the brain much more than it was in the past. Um, this means it's not becoming a tool, it's also becoming a kind of companion where the, the system is telling you more information uh, than before, because before you had probably a cheat sheet in form of a real uh, cheat sheet or in form of, a, uh, let's say, a spreadsheet. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if the system is having all the information, probably this system can uh, suggest anything to you, which makes sense, uh, can even reiterate on this. So ultimately, in the business world, the mental load should be kept down. And it's really a tool. Uh, like, you know, if you are a craftsman, you have your tools and uh, the innovation goes in building this stuff and not uh, using the tools. And I think this we need to understand. And in private life, you're pretty open. You want to play with it. You want to also some, from time to time fail. But, and that's very important, if you are um, doing something which is serious, like you shop or you provide your credentials or other things to the system or to, to the internet, you want to have trust, a trusted partner. So this means regardless where you are, as a human, you want to be in a trusted environment and that you know, for example, that the, that, that the game is never broken because it's quite annoying if you are very close to the high score and then blue screen. The same if you are adding uh, your credentials or your credit card account um, uh, to a shop you should uh, rather know which shop you're dealing with, uh, that this is not uh, some shop which is taking this for uh, their advantage. And it's the same for business software. If you're um, acting uh, business uh, critical data, if you are running business critical processes, the system needs to support you and it must be on a level of trust where you can say, okay, I understand the business situation. I found a solution. I maintain it in the system. And then the next process is, let's say, triggered, which is then ultimately also triggering something which is uh, becoming a real material, uh, aka supply chain, for example. So ultimately, this trust is a very crucial point regardless where you act. Uh, but of course, Playing has a different understanding of trust than um, adding a credit card or, uh, let's say, triggering, let's say, a purchase order um, for, for a company which is very, let's say, uh, uh, demanding in regards of supply. So that's interesting what you say. If I understood it correctly, it's not about that everything develops in parallel. So the, let's say, the person from the finance organization will in a few years make his closing calculations with the Oculus Rift on it, probably, or yeah. maybe not. But the principles yeah, that has to apply on a user experience that actually works are the same all over. Exactly, exactly, because we are one uh, human persona. And uh, of course, in the situation, And that's, I think, the crucial point. We as a software company need to understand the situation the user is in and understand, okay, is the best way to communicate uh, with the system with a keyboard or with a mouse or with, a, let's say, um, any, any smart class you, you can imagine, any AR, VR scenario or just 
three big screens uh, on the wall uh, to understand where you are with your business. And this is something we need to understand. But the basic principles are always uh, applied in the same way. And ultimately, a user will not use the software if it's not following patterns the user understands, knows, and trusts. And uh, this is the ultimate currency uh, to attract users and to let the users use our software. You, you really get at the moment the impression, or maybe not just at the moment, but since a few years already, that the importance of that has become so well known that it's, it's all encompassing. Like, for example, when you look at um, auto, the automotive industries, now cars, at least from the, let's say, very innovative companies like like tesla for example are started to be developed from from the user experience side and then or the user experience first is developed or defined then the car is uh, designed around it um so since importance is obviously there how important do you think user experience is for the leveraging of capabilities of an enterprise application, especially now that we're talking about digitalization? Is it the, let's say, often sung central tool into this kind of world where you bring the horsepower of digitalization into the street? So for me, it's uh, the key factor. If you are not getting this uh, straight and uh, if you are not understanding uh, how we uh, improve users' life with user experience, then we will not uh, win the game. It's the ultimate currency, as mentioned. And uh, I, uh, automotive is a very good example, you know. Uh, of course, there are companies like Tesla. They are software-driven. They are user experience-driven. But on the other hand, uh, we have, uh, let's say, the classic automotives, which are now trying to mock um, what Tesla is doing. Uh, and their dilemma is pretty big because uh, they um, have a kind of, um, let's say, customer base, which is assuming a car has a turn on light and switch off light uh, mechanism. But Tesla is assuming this functionality is anyhow automated. And now the question is, is the end user um, having this car bought from this other company ready to trust the system that the light goes on and off automatically or do they need this switch? And uh, Tesla, of course, is attracting uh, people with a very open mindset about um, this new way how to drive cars. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, uh, other companies still have a different, uh, let's say, uh, target audience. And now the question is, who will win the game on the long run? And who is able uh, to make a compromise or you should be pretty bold with your decision? And, you know, there are now companies, they are very bold, They're moving the sixth or eighth or ninth uh, version of their model towards this direction, removing all the buttons and everything into a menu or into a, a user experience, which is software driven. And now the, uh, some people start to complain, yeah, but uh, the AC uh, turn button or anything else is, is missing. The same with the shift gear. You know, there is no necessity to have this huge shift gear now in the car. 
some companies just have a little trigger other uh, they have a, a kind of uh, let's say a thing which is uh, more uh, reminding you to the very old cars from the 70s but ultimately there is even no need you can just say hey car please do a forward drive uh, or backward drive and uh, you can give this command so ultimately it's a big experiment Uh, but ultimately, uh, you mentioned Tesla, they are doing a game changer because they understood that the winner of this game is someone who is good in user experience and software development. And I think this is the key. We are moving more and more into a world which is software and user experience driven. And regardless if you build the best car or not from an engineering perspective, uh, you know how other things are working. This is dominating, of course. Other aspects like the suspension and, and so on is also added to this user experience and you cannot exclude this. So you also need to understand those aspects, especially if, if you're having these physical dependencies. But ultimately, uh, if you're able to adjust this via software update, imagine uh, the software suspension is improved based on the software update, here you go. If the other company, the competitor, is not able to do this because they don't have an over-the-air update of their software, you have to probably bring your uh, your car back to uh, the dealer and they will tell you, oh, uh, sorry, this is the old model. Uh, you need to buy the new model. And the competitor is probably is uh, able to do this via software update. Here you go. And that's, I, say, I think, the advantage. If you are putting more and more into the software with all, of course, the limitation the software has, you can win this game. And uh, for me, the automotive is, is a very good example where um, they need to understand how to move on to the next uh, generation. Uh, and ultimately, in business software, uh, it's exactly the same because uh, the dilemma is also there. You have the people dealing with a software now for decades and uh, they know exactly how to create the purchase order or how they do a general legend, ledger um, uh, and so on. But ultimately, to attract them with something new, which is, uh, and that's a must, is on the same efficiency level, uh, probably not so complex, but uh, also powerful as the old one, this is a stretch goal. Because why I should move from my very safe place where I know exactly how to click uh, and how to work on a certain item in my business to a new thing, which uh, I need to get used to it, which is probably adjusting my entire way of how I work. Because uh, let's go back to this Oculus Rift example. Instead of using a keyboard, I'm sitting uh, in my room and, and using Oculus Rift and probably I need more space. Otherwise, I cannot uh, navigate through my business. Yeah, Just as an example, I, I guess uh, no one uh, in finance will probably do this, um, but who knows? So yeah, but, ultimately... But we, we had yeah. like from, from, from 42, um, which is a, a startup in Munich in yeah. one of the episodes, I, I guess you know these guys, Stefan Oderf in the podcast who was talking about the eye control. This was really interesting for me because you say it now that that there are these kinds of use cases where even in a what you may imagine a more conservative business user world like we are living in there are still there are the use cases for that yeah absolutely and uh, to be honest it's a very good example uh, that the system is uh, becoming more and more smart because with let's say uh, the new cameras for example in the devices 
And uh, with also algorithms on the device, um, you can predict what is happening next. And if you combine this, then it's becoming more and more powerful, even if the user is not noticing this because your, your mouse is probably jumping automatically to the sweet spot where it's supposed to be. Uh, and you, uh, if you do this in a very smart way, probably the end user will re never recognize uh, that the mouse is always in the place uh, of clicking the right button. Uh, but that's exactly the key, you know, that you are somehow fooling the end user with the impression that he or she is doing this, but ultimately the system is doing this because we have gathered all the information. But it's very crucial that the, the user is understanding this in a way uh, that it's trusted. And um, it's the same with the keyboard, you know, uh, the biggest dilemma with the keyboard Uh, on, a, on a smartphone uh, was uh, how precise you can push um, those keyboard uh, keys. And, and therefore they came up with an algorithm to support this. This means um, uh, such an experience can only win if you put this uh, to the natural environment, to the natural behavior of the user. Otherwise it's, it's becoming a kind of artificial uh, experience which in some cases working because the user understanding this, but imagine back to the car, your car is uh, somehow autonomous and uh, there is a truck in front of you and you are um, probably not uh, really sure is the car braking, yes or no, mm -hmm. um, are pushing the brakes. Uh, I hope it's not braking, of course. Um, and, and therefore it's becoming again a, a trust situation. And uh, this means if I'm not trusting eye tracking, if I'm not trusting uh, mouse movement or speeding up, slowing down a car, then I'm turning it off. And that's a crucial point in, in my uh, world that uh, what we do is supporting the user but always in the context of what the user wants to do. And sometimes the user is probably even not recognizing that this is support is there. Yeah. I, I want to remain on that analogy that we're using because a few minutes ago, you used that example of a gear shifter. Yeah. To say like there are several, let's say applications, how you can, can do this. Of course, this may be, at least from my impression, be of course target group related. You have maybe those people who really want that old school Hearst shifter pistol grip. And the other one who say like, I do not need this. Um, I want this whole topic completely, completely virtualized. Maybe it is like that in the automotive world because the, the, the amount of people is so diverse and so highly diversified. How is it with, other, with our customers? Are they... Yeah. say diversified in the same broadness yeah. or are they much closer or let's say much narrower and do have the more let's say clear defined expectations yeah so of course uh, it would be a dream if we can streamline our customers but to be quite honest uh, there is no way they are optimizing uh, the software to their needs and therefore we have this diversity which is good This means we need to understand the level of customization, extension, and personalization that uh, we can provide those options to the customer. And the crucial point is, what is under the uh, responsibility of the company applying this? What is under the responsibility of uh, the business uh, running this? And what is under the responsibility of the end user personalizing uh, the business uh, towards the personal flavors and needs? Because Yeah, uh, probably the company is dictating uh, no gear shift or no uh, yes or no button. 
but uh, probably uh, uh, the, the user want to have this for any reason, as long it's compliant and in, in, in sync with, uh, let's say, the core values of the company, it's not a big deal. So this means uh, we narrow this down, we are shrinking the possibilities, but ultimately we have multiple uh, levels and dimensions of customization in our business software. And uh, a very uh, simple example is themes, you know? I'm a big fan of the dark theme. I'm always applying dark theme and I'm really annoyed if, for example, in the dark theme, accessibility is not applied because then you have a gray on gray situation. Uh, so then, of course, I switch back to, to the uh, uh, light theme uh, and probably others, they want to have a pink theme for any reason. Uh, or they say, okay, I, I, I have a handicap with my eyes and I, or I'm in a very uh, bright or dark situation, I want to have a high contrast theme. And, you know, all these dimensions in software are possible and we are applying this. And this is the power of what we're doing. And this is also crucial that we understand those responsibilities because if we are not applying the contrast, regardless on which theme, then probably it looks nice the first hand, but it's not usable because I cannot read the text on the screen because of of those uh, things. So this means we also need to protect the, the end users to mess up and the customers to mess up uh, the color palette in a way that it's becoming unreadable, for example. Having, having said now that we probably do not have just that user, but also we have certain groups, um, I want to talk about age in a certain way, because we have, of course, those people we have to get with it we, we should not lose them who like used to work for 30 years with their let's say either old dinpro uis or even 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 earlier on the other hand of course we have that new generation who was more or less born with a let's say mobile phone in their hand and one story that i always tell which i think is very interesting was when a customer of mine he said like he he had problems getting fresh young people for his company um, he was not really in, in let's say a big city but more or less in, in, in the outside but uh, his company is still something of a um, hidden champion uh, so those fine little companies who um, have their standing and he said he, he asked one one of these guys uh, who was working for him as a working student but then opted to go to a different company after they uh, finished their university and he asked them he, he contacted them and asked like why didn't you apply for a job with us you know us you know we are a great company and they said yeah that's right but we do not or i do not like the way you work the way i have to use your system because at home i wake up with my ipad now then i come into an office and for eight hours i work with legacy ui technology then i come back and i'm again in my world they there seems to be that they do not accept like these kinds of let's say old technologies to adapt to them and wait until there has been something of a of a leveraging um do we how do we win basically all age groups into using new uis or using that kind of new user experience yeah. we offer yeah, uh, one thing is we need to include. Uh, this means we cannot just make a statement, old is bad. Um, this is not going to work because uh, the people at this point in time, they were not stupid to creating this. Uh, 
Uh, and there are different uh, levels we need to, or dimensions we need to understand. One is, of course, the appearance of the software. You know, you, you can paint this, you can make it nice looking, but uh, this will win, uh, give you an impression of, uh, uh, let's say, a modern uh, design principle from a visual perspective. But then the second step is um, user interaction. And uh, of course, um, in private life, you are um, you used to certain user interaction patterns, and this must be applied to business software as well. And I believe these modern user interaction patterns need to be understood and applied in this context. And um, I, I give you one example which I saw, and uh, you can agree or disagree, but. Ultimately, uh, there was a generation of keyboard only, you know, keyboard was the only way to interact with the system. Fair enough. Then uh, there was this uh, thing called mouse or trackpad or whatever. And uh, there is now a decade uh, or even a generation of people only using a mouse or a track, uh, probably even not a trackpad because they're so used to a mouse that they even do not know all these funny uh, keys on the keyboard because uh, they are just uh, mouse clicking. Yeah? So not, not the, the, the generation issue. shortcut, but the generation mouse. Yeah, I know what exactly, you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. And now the question is, and that's, I think, a misunderstanding. I believe the, the future is not the generation mouse, Uh, because the new digital um, generation, they are becoming more and more the shortcut generation because they're used to um, to the uh, since the beginning of of uh, of their life uh, used to touch touch enabled screens. If they're using a keyboard, they are power users because they know how to use this. And probably it's not, a, uh, you know, I had this uh, Sinclair computer where I had to uh, use five fingers in parallel um, uh, to, to have an ampersand or something displayed on the screen. As I'm not talking about this user experience. Probably they have some code like uh, hashtag Hoffel uh, or whatever. So this means they have also their codes And we need to support them in that uh, way of working. And we need to understand how they're using uh, their code and their um, method methodologies in the new software. And uh, instead of, of uh, just um, uh, trying to um, uh, push more and more into, um, let's say, mouse, we should uh, understand much more how the user interaction is based on touch because some humans, they still believe that the old car with a big screen is, is touch enabled. I have such a car mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not telling you now which company and it's uh, just a couple of years old and it's not touch enabled, but many people try to change uh, anything on the screen and I'm always rolling my ass and tell them, hey, it's not touch enabled, but uh, yeah, how should they know? So it's becoming natural. One thing is touch enablement. The other thing is if there is a keyboard and they want to use it, they are using this heavily. And um, the mouse is something which is supporting them, but probably it's also um, an additional tool. But ultimately, um, efficiency is a very, very crucial point. This means user interaction is living from, again, uh, understanding how it behaves and how to do the things in an efficient and modern way. 
And this we need to understand as a company and project into our software. And to be quite honest, you can also polish an old UI with a good visual appearance. And you can also add some, let's say, modern principles in an older UI technology if you want. But ultimately, of course, you need to then make a decision. Is it worth to spend the money in this old technology, do a touch enablement, uh, enablement of this and that, or you build this from scratch? But now starts another dilemma, you know, um, the uh, feature richness and functionality we provide at SAP. You have a technology and a, a product probably uh, built for the last 10, 15, 20 years And uh, this feature and functionality richness is there. And when you start from scratch with the latest and greatest technology, with the latest and greatest user interaction patterns, how fast are you to catch up with the functionality? Otherwise, you attract employees with this first view, even using, uh, let's say, uh, modern UI principles and modern UI technology, but ultimately, 50% of their time, they have to go back to the old software because the functionality in the new piece is not there and it will take some time. And you see this uh, in any software, to be quite honest, and on any platform. Um, and um, you can name any big vendor uh, on this planet who is now struggling with this because you cannot just build a new operating system, a new business system, uh, even a new application, which is a little more powerful within one year in one shot. And that's a reality we need to deal with. And it's the dilemma we are all in. And it's not only applying to automotive, it applies to the entire software industries. And I see that um, uh, some companies are really good in that. Others, they are experimenting with visual appearance. They even streamline, you know, their mobile visual experience uh, appearance with their uh, desktop appearance. And now the speculation is starting by when they are adding touch and other things. Will they do it or not? Uh, who knows it? We will see. But ultimately, um, uh, uh, to give you a, uh, after the long answer, short answer, it's a crucial point that we understand those new talents and give them something uh, to the hand where they understand this is modern. This is uh, makes, uh, makes sense. This is efficient. And uh, this is attracting them. And this is uh, giving them the impression and the feeling that they understanding those patterns. And it's not like an alien from the 70s or 19s uh, who is uh, visiting them in their nightmare. You know, it should be a good employee experience, so to say. And therefore, it's becoming more and more crucial uh, in, in companies that um, the business is making buying decisions based on the employee experience they want to provide to their employees running their business. Let's talk about what this all means for your job. You are in a company like SAP, which is unfortunately, I think, if it would be your life would be easier. Unfortunately, not a young company where you say, I start from, from with a white sheet of paper and, and, and build it up like it would be perfect. But you have lots of users with expectations because of a, let's call it tradition or legacy. Um, on the other hand, you of course have to adapt, you have to evolve. You have a lot of a huge portfolio where maybe I just assume not all solution and product managers have at their first 
or the most important mindset, um, user experience when they approach a topic. How in this this huge uh, ecosystem, um, how how do you do your job, and what is your strategy with mm -hmm. that? Yeah, so of course it's a complex uh, world, and uh, to be honest, I'm not alone. Uh, this is good. So I have many people supporting this journey, and uh, I think this is key that we all uh, work together on this goal to create uh, a product experience uh, to our end users and to our customers, which they are willing to buy and run on a daily basis. Uh, I think we should have all this in mind. And uh, this starts with understanding, of course, what they need. And one of the biggest feedback we receive is uh, the things we are providing uh, must be integrated. This means uh, we need to get rid of those uh, silo things, uh, the different islands which are not connected. We need to integrate this. With integration comes the dilemma of um, the integrated uh, pieces, especially in front of the end user, must uh, react and behave in the same way uh, because otherwise uh, the user is not feeling safe because clicking on a button or doing a forward navigation, you never know what is happening. You know, if I click on this uh, tile, for example, is um, a new page loading uh, with a forward navigation, single page application, or you click on the next tile, a new uh, window is opening uh, as a popover or a new tab is opening. And if this is random, you lose the user because they're not feeling uh, this in a trusted environment. Of course, if it's part of the use case that you need to open a second uh, window or a second uh, screen, fair enough. But if this is uh, becoming random to the end users, then um, you lose them. This means we need to understand in this integrated portfolio, what is the consistency level we need to reach to attract the users in a way that they understand this is modern, this is helpful, this is uh, consistent, this is efficient, and uh, this is supporting me and bringing me on the mental level where I can focus on my business and not focusing on the software, what I need to do next because I have no clue how the system is re reacting. And this means we as SEP need to invest into the result. So we need to uh, put us ourselves into the shoes of the end users. And to be quite honest, we as SAP are not heavy user of our own software. If I, would, uh, if I would work in a company uh, producing a mobile phone or producing a car or any other consumer good, I would assume I would use this on a daily basis and I would every minute I would have an idea what I need to fix, what I have to improve. But in our case, we are relying on the feedback on the input of our customers and our end users. And if you are not listening to them, we will never know what we need to fix in order to be successful. This means I can only encourage uh, everybody in the company to first understand our dilemma, then second, talk to our customers and to our end users and understand how they work. Because only with that, we know, do they need a keyboard? Do they need a touchpad? Do they need a, a, a mouse? Or they need a Oculus Rift uh, version one, two, three, four, five. Because then you know in which domain, in which context, those users um, have the certain requirement of the software. And, uh, you know, 
if you, for example, uh, going back to the eye tracking example, if you are used to the software in a way that you are no longer looking to the screen because you're looking to someone else and you are typing in because you know the keyboard shortcuts, you even know uh, with two taps you are in the name, in five taps you are in the postal uh, address, in the zip code and so on, then eye tracking will not work. So you can apply eye tracking, uh, but it's not working. And this is something we need to figure out. And my job is to make this transparent and to encourage the people, of course, to do this and to give them tools. One tool is, of course, how we can do user research. How can we uh, interact with customers and end users that we understand, um, let's say, the nature behind and not asking questions to confirm that our software is good. You know, that's not the question. Yeah. The question is what the end users need. And there's this uh, example of Ford. You know, uh, I, I, I know, um, sorry, folks, for listening to us. It's all about automotive because 100 years ago, if you would ask um, uh, the customers, what do you need? The answer would be probably more horses. Yeah. Now it's, uh, or afterwards, it was uh, uh, cars with uh, more horsepower. But I'm not sure in the future if this is the answer. Probably it's, uh, let's say, um, transportation as a service or um, probably teleporting or whatever. You never know. But ultimately, this should be driven by understanding the end users and understanding the technical feasibility and viabilities, and then to frame a picture. And uh, we, we, of course, we have different levels because we know uh, we will not always uh, on a daily basis, uh, for example, invent the wheel. Uh, so the wheel is already invented and uh, the car is already invented, uh, but we know how to, to build uh, cars and also we know how to build, let's say, uh, frequently software, which means we know how to build those things. But on the other hand, um, is it really the case that we just re repeat always the same and then we run into an innovator's dilemma because ultimately this is not functioning because probably the question was not to build a new application to deal with this issue. It was to get rid of this issue on a different level. So this means we need to analyze. And um, uh, this means uh, we give the, the, end, uh, the, the company uh, those tools at hand to do all these investigations, which are also multidimensional. But it's key to start with this and not here as a piece of technology. And then here you go. And the second thing is, especially in design, we are creating a design system which uh, all products can apply. And this is, of course, also a big area where we invest and we are not done, in, in so to say, because it's a moving target. Design is always a moving target and we need to continuously invest into design from a visual, but also from an interactional perspective and adding more and more aspects um, to the design system. And of course, we need to feed in the feedback we receive from those end user, um, um, let's say, um, user research activities we did so that we understand what is necessary. And my job is ultimately to facilitate this, to encourage the people and also to understand the dilemma our customers are facing and also then uh, sometimes playing the bad guy and say, hey, this is not going to work because the result is not a good product experience, so to say. So let's, let, let me ask you then, um, 
what could a user is, is expect from SAP in the future? How do we work like in five years? Is this that we have something like um, dynamic UIs based on, let's say, a digital twin of the user? Or is it more of a, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah. what, 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 can we, what can we think about? Yeah, so ultimately, I believe um, the user will have um, multiple um, ways to interact with the system. And uh, of course, also different uh, form factors, different, um, let's say, uh, device types. And uh, mobile, for example, is something I'm strongly believing in. Now you can debate, is it native mobile versus web mobile? Ultimately, uh, we as a company need to understand um, that uh, the user experience of the future will be heavily mobilized. Uh, on the other hand, you can now debate, uh, is uh, finance always uh, using using uh, their, um, let's say, applications on a mobile device on the run in a, in, a, in a subway situation? Probably not. So this means uh, we will have the cases where we fully optimize the screens for high efficiency with uh, also machine learning, AI algorithm, proposing the user more and more, bringing in contextual information. On the other hand, on my mobile device, I get information, I get trigger. So this means I'm, I'm always connected to my business and the business is uh, communicating with me like a, like a friend and the system is communicating with me like a friend in a way that I, I can use the spare time I have um, to make, pro for example, some decisions. And on a mobile device, I will probably not go into a spreadsheet, but probably the system will make some recommendation and say, hey, listen, the last 10 times in such a situation with this supplier uh, or with this bank, you did the following. Should we do the same? And then you just say yes and no. And uh, this means um, the user experience is not focusing on the UI per se, so we're adopting the UI, but it's also based on the mechanism which we have underneath, which are helping the user for this user experience. And this means, of course, we will have highly specialized UIs for certain use cases. We will have, um, let's say, adopted um, UIs for uh, a mobile usage, um, but it will be in parallel. Uh, what I do not think is that you, you have a UI and uh, based on the size of the screen, it will change, you know, it will grow and it will yeah. become more and more complex. This will not happen because uh, humans are, in that sense are very simple because they want to have, um, uh, let's say, a stability on the UI. And if any, uh, everything is becoming liquid, and I, I, I see many examples from the past, this will not going to work. This means you are turning on your PC and you know exactly what to expect exactly for that. You can transport this then on your tablet, on your mobile phone. And in some cases, you even accept that on the mobile phone, you have just a yes and no button and the information what you need to decide on, but you will not go into a heavy transactional world. But ultimately, we need to spend this. If we're not spending this across all those device types, we are losing um, uh, against our competitors because they are absolutely doing this. And they're doing this, of course, with responsive web technology. But we know there are, of course, limitations these days, which we cannot come over. 
I want to um, read um, a bit provocative statement from an analyst who said, you cannot become a digital champion with yesterday's UIs. First, do you agree with that? And what does this implication have for, let's call it our our partners, those who have to implement SAP systems, because they are in a very important position to leverage the possibilities with the new UIs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, what is a digital champion? You know, what is what is the reason yeah. uh, to be a digital <laughs> champion? I believe um, you champion uh, problem solving. Ultimately, regardless what we do, is we solving a problem. A business problem is solved by business software. Uh, innovation is solving also any any problem. And of course. Um, Uh, the UI is reflecting also um, in, in certain cases what, uh, what you can do uh, to solving this problem. And sometimes the solution is pretty simple and it's even not really UI related. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we need to understand this in a way. So this is a challenge, of course, and challenge accepted. Uh, ultimately, this is exactly what I mean with this um, Uh, we need to understand mobile, tablet, and uh, desktop and the different form factors because I'm currently having my laptop on the right side, uh, which is 13-inch. I have my 34-inch in front of me. I have my mobile phone next to me. And, you know, uh, for, for, uh, for example, for WhatsApp, uh, I'm even using now my 34-inch Uh, screen because uh, I have, uh, let's say, uh, eyes at the age of 46, which is, um, it's more handy to use this if I'm sitting there, because, but if I'm moving one meter away from this big screen, I'm using my, my mobile phone and then I'm fully in my native experience. And what I'm always annoyed is with uh, the emoticons because um, in, uh, on, the, on the screen, I can use shortcuts And on the, on the, let's say, on the device itself, I need to select this. So there are advantages, disadvantages. And we as a company need to understand those modern advantages and bring them to those uh, different form factors and device types. And we need to invest into those. So we cannot stand still because if we miss this and if we even not uh, keeping this on track, Probably we heavily investing now in mobile and we are not investing anything into, uh, let's say, the desktop experience, then we will fail because the reality is currently uh, all device types uh, for one power user. And this means um, it not only um, says, okay, SAP GUI is outdated and therefore let's get rid of SAP GUI. No, SAP GUI is probably outdated, but the, the picture is much bigger. This means we need to first catch up with regardless what we want to replace uh, the sub GUI with something else. We need to catch up with the functionality or probably not because it's a different use case. And therefore, uh, I understand this statement, but ultimately um, it's uh, too high level to just say, yes, uh, you're right because ultimately we need to understand those different dimensions and then also make a decision. And I think this is the crucial point. We as a company, we also want to make money out of this. Uh, regardless what we do for our end users, our uh, partners, our, our customers, ultimately the TCO is a big topic. 
So, um, and we are in large scale. So if I, as a company owner, would only deal with one application, I would spend my entire money into make this application the best application on this planet. If I'm running a big company with thousands of applications, I need to take care of that we are scaling on all those devices and I need to make decisions where to invest what and where is the investment? Is it on the reuse or is it on the application layer or must this be somehow uh, synchronized and in balance? Because, you know, um, in, sometimes you invest heavily into application, but the reuse layer is not prepared to this. And then application is uh, doing things which should be in the reuse layer and vice versa. And those things we as a company need to understand and steer and come up with uh, UI of the future uh, to support our digital champions of the future to ultimately make money and, uh, of course, to support our end users best in a way that they are really adopting and running our business software. I imagine now a lot of people are quite pumped up from what you say. Say, I want to do this. Um, there are, of course, certain specifics you have to know or to take care there are chances there are risks it depends of course how you approach your transition for example on s4 like greenfield versus brownfield maybe in the greenfield approach it's maybe let's call it easier to jump into the new uis than for example with a brownfield where you at first do more of the technical migration do you have best practices or recommendations that you can give to our ecosystem how they should approach this so we guarantee that the mix you were referring to is arriving at customers yeah so first there is no main switch uh, to good user experience you know uh, you cannot just turn it on like a radio and then you are um, uh, on fm uh, or on digital radio these days uh, fm is outdated uh, sorry i'm an 80s kid Uh, but ultimately, I believe um, we and uh, the companies are implementing a green, uh, regardless if it's a green or a brown field, they need to understand the user experience story and how this is feeding into this employee, user, uh, employee experience story. Because uh, regardless what we as a software vendor are delivering, um, um, they need to understand their part and they need to also take care that, for example, the content and the personas are cut in the right way. Of course, we are providing best practices in regards of that. But, um, you know, sometimes we're delivering three roles, but this, in this certain company, it's uh, feeding into one human. And then the question is, uh, is it just copying the three uh, roles into, into this or assigning this to, to that persona and that's it? Or is this something else? So therefore, I can just encourage that um, uh, the, the people involved into this journey understand their responsibility. And if they understand there is something missing in regards of, for example, a UX transformation office, um, then they should address this because if a company has no idea about how to provide a user experience in a good way to their end users, then uh, probably they will fail. And uh, in some cases, it's even not The, the application, probably they fail because of a log-on experience, you know, 
Where do I get my credentials? Uh, what is my password? Is it uh, my personal number or is it my email address or is it a QR code? And this is something the companies need to understand. Let's call it the, the unboxing or onboarding experience in case of uh, employee experience. And the, uh, our partners, our customers, our ecosystem need to understand that we provide a, a standard software, especially in on-premise, And uh, with their partners, with their IT department, with their business, the responsibility is there to build this uh, product and end user and uh, employee experience. Um, and of course, we are a, a strong partner and we're having a big portion in this picture. But in some cases, we also see that there are, um, let's say, issues driven by implementation. And of course, if ultimately uh, the solution is not fitting or there are glitches, then uh, we, we need to know this. This means we need to go into a dialogue and understand those gaps, those issues, and uh, close the gaps or come up with uh, documentation with, with best practices. And I think the biggest uh, misunderstanding is Uh, how to implement uh, Fiori on a, on a brownfield because it's firsthand, it's a technical uh, conversation, uh, which is good because from a project management perspective, you want to uh, do an upgrade, which is absolutely fair. But then you need to understand with the budget you received for this and uh, for, let's say, the, the other uh, activities, how to come up with a user experience that you can run your, your uh, enterprise uh, best. And this is, I think, a crucial point that you're not stopping with um, S4 is now upgraded, um, yeah. the machine is pinging, the database is up and running, and you can access the SAP menu on your SAP GUI, even if it's a web version. Yeah. And I believe um, this must be understood. And uh, it's a team effort. That, that's a very important message that after your conversion, Work is not done yet. Yeah, then no, comes the part not. where you really go into the advantages. Yeah. Alex, people I'm sure are now really interested in following you and learn more about what is coming up. Where can they do best? Yeah, so of course, uh, I have a, a LinkedIn account. Uh, I have uh, a Twitter account. We have sap.com where we uh, also... Uh, do updates. Uh, we have a, a new community in SAP user communities uh, where you can discuss this. Um, so these are the formats uh, which I would recommend. Um, and of course, um, uh, the best way is also uh, to use uh, the, let's say, search machine of your choice, uh, because I think um, you will find your way through this. Uh, Uh, let's say, uh, jungle of information. But ultimately, uh, I think the best way is, uh, if you're interested, get in contact with the corresponding area at SAP and have an open discussion of, of uh, what's going on and where to improve, uh, uh, where improvements are needed and um, go into a dialogue uh, because this is uh, crucial that humans talk to each other and understanding each other so that we really, instead of uh, just reading something or posting something, having a discussion. Thank you very much. That was very eye-opening. Have a great evening. Stay healthy. 
Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the feedback to, to our session here. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.